You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 23, aka Milan Heyduke, of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host Tyler Bell coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada, and once again joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, Alec? Not too bad, brother. How are you feeling? Oh, not too shabby. Just enjoying the weekend here. It's a nice Sunday. The Kraken play a hockey game tonight against San Jose, so I'm pretty excited for that. What else is new, man? We haven't really talked uh, since last podcast. Busy week for you. Yeah, I've been just kind of working, uh, getting after it a little bit, enjoying the free time after work, I guess you could say. Oh, getting up to some uh, extracurricular activities, are you? Oh, gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. Okay, okay, I see what's going on. And uh, before we jumped on this, you were saying you're pretty sore, eh? What happened to the old leg? Oh, just blocked a shot there last night. You know, take one right off the ankle. Fuck, she's killing today. A little bit tender. Slept with the ice pack <laughs> tape to her last night. Doing it again today. Got another game tonight, so I uh, got to make sure she fits in the boot. And just so we're clear here, we're talking about beer league hockey, correct? Oh, absolutely. You think I'm playing anything important? <laughs> Blocking shots in beer league has to go to the hospital, get an x-ray to make sure there's nothing, uh, you know, no hairline fractures, anything like that going on. And you're going to strap it up and play tonight in what is pretty much a meaningless hockey game. That is some dedication there, Durham. I am proud of you bud that's that's some dedication i only get to skate a couple times a week so if you think i'm fucking missing it for anything get real <laughs> a couple times a week man i i know living out here i'm lucky to get some organized hockey once a month going on here but uh lucky enough tomorrow night i got a game actually so i'm pretty hyped up for that probably won't be blocking shots like you i'm not that crazy but you know i've done enough of that back in uh uh, the old junior days and the minor hockey days. So I think I've ate enough pucks in my life, but yeah, yeah, it's going to be a fun uh, podcast here just to take a little review. Uh, going to be looking at uh, some games the Kraken played another tough week for the Kraken. Uh, we're going to get into that in a second though. We got some game previews coming up of some good, interesting opponents. They're going to be playing. 
And we'll hop right in because uh, the trade rumors are starting to pick up too for this team. And then, you know, once we talk about that, there's a bit of hockey news. We'll end it with uh, a little stat of the week and some hockey slang volume number three. So it's going to be a great episode here. But Durham, let's jump right back into things. Another week and another losing streak for the Kraken, Durham. What's going on? Well, they're not scoring as many goals as the other team for one. That usually doesn't help. And they're letting in way more than they should. It'd be nice if they could yeah. fucking start on time too. Yeah, it still, still seems to be a lingering issue with this team. And, you know, Vancouver, that, that's another team that they've struggled against this year. Uh, you know, they came into that game last week against Vancouver on February 21st. 0-2 against their rivals from across the border after dropping uh, their home opener 4-2 against them. And then a New Year's Day matchup 5-2 versus the Canucks. So uh, they've struggled against this team. What's going on? Well, I mean, Vancouver kind of found their groove with a new coach there, Boudreaux, coming in. And they've gone back to becoming the Vancouver team that can put the puck in the net. They get it up ice well, and they seem to have our number doing that. I mean, they're scoring a lot of goals against us, 4-2, 5-2, 5 again, spoiler alert. But that's way too many goals for three games. Way too many goals against. uh, And it's tough, too, because, you know, this is a team that is essentially going to be their most heated rivalry we assume going forward for you know many years to come so to start finding some success against them is important but it's been a struggle you know um you heading into the game though it it was cool we seen jared mccann reaching reaching another milestone playing in his 400th nhl game uh against the canucks which is the team he was drafted from so that was pretty cool to see that wasn't it didn't play too long in vancouver but he did get to get in there as a teenager draft plus one season i believe it was yeah and it, it was it was pretty cool to see he that was, and then he's at the 400 yeah just to reach that 400 and then not only that we would see Drieger finally getting a crack in between the pipes after uh you know his first time in four games so uh it was good to see that he hasn't really got a lot of ice time lately no i mean his last game you know did okay too but nice to see him getting a lot more games give Grubauer a little bit of a break and see if we can get him hot going down the stretch. Yeah. And my gosh, Durham, the start to this game, just count to 11 for me. Can you do that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven. Way to go. That's impressive. Uh, cheers to that 11 seconds that's all it took for the Kraken to be losing in this friggin hockey game and that was a new record for this team I mean 11 seconds and you're already down a goal what the hell man that's just brutal I mean that's just demoralizing for the team you get your first shift going you're thinking fuck yeah it's go time and oh my god we're chasing the game again I know. And it just, it just seems like it's almost every game at this point, but thank God for Jared McCann, who actually tied the game right back up with his team leading 21st goal of the season. Uh, After he put away a nice little two on one feed from uh, Marcus Johansson there, which uh, made me basically forget about that awful start the Kraken had for a second. So that was really nice. Yeah, I mean, just great patience by Johansson to hold that pass, freeze up the defender, then dish her over to McCann for the perfectly placed setup. 
Yeah, it was. And after some good back and forth hockey, uh, the Kraken get their first power play chance in the hockey game. And it's going up against the league's worst, worst penalty kill. And they don't look too, too bad on their chance either. Um, for the first minute and a half, cycling the puck in Vancouver's end. Uh, but then Dunn takes a holding penalty, leading to a, a short little four-on-four chance. Yeah, and on that four-on-four, Captain Giordano just takes control, pinches up, cradling a lob pass from Donskoy, and he goes in all alone, fakes out Demko, and buries his first goal in 20 games. Yeah, that was an absolute beauty. And not only that, but right at the end, it was... um, it was actually ended up being a shorthanded play because um, as that play developed, uh, the Canucks uh, penalty had ended and it ended up being a shorthanded goal for the captain. So that was pretty cool to see that too, right? Yeah, you love to see it, especially when it gives the boys a 2-1 lead late in the first. And you just feel so much better after allowing that first goal 11 seconds in. Really like the last 1948 for the boys. Yeah, yeah. You take away the first 11 seconds, and this was a pretty good period for the Kraken. Um, it looked promising, but uh, what wasn't so likable was uh, Travis Hamannick tying the game right up with a, a pretty weak short side shot that squeaked through Drieger just like three and a half minutes into the second. So uh, that was a bit of a rough start in that second period there. Yeah, and I mean, it's not just that, too, but Alexiak interferes with Hoglander right after the goal and immediately puts the Kraken down shorthanded. Yeah, and the Kraken just get away without giving up a goal. Just get away. I mean, they fumbled the puck on three different clear attempts uh, at the end of the penalty kill. Uh, just about gift-wrapped a goal for the Canucks to have for free, but... Thankfully, Giordano steps up again, uh, made a great defensive play to swat the loose puck away. That uh, was sloppy looking and was scaring the shit out of me. Yeah, luckily the captain's showing up, making some big plays for the Kraken tonight, eh? Yeah, no, he he had a great game in this one and big blocks from Larson in this game too. He actually, uh, you know, was, was making some big plays on the penalty kill there. Continues to lead the Kraken in, in that stat most nights. And I don't think he gets enough credit at all for uh, the amount of blo- uh, shots that this guy blocks. He leads the team in that category. And like we talked about before uh, we got into this game review, it's a daunting task and it hurts like a son of a bitch. I mean, it sent you to the hospital and you were playing a beer league game. So uh, that's and I'm pretty sure his are on purpose that he's trying to get in front of them too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know where the shot blocking came from you. It was never in your game. So uh, well, believe me, I was trying to get the fuck out of the way. I believe that. I believe that for sure. And uh, then once again, yeah, the Kraken, they give up a goal before the end of that period. Uh, after some nonchalant defending, uh, they pretty much just let Quinn Hughes, uh, you know, throw a puck on net. Wasn't, uh, you know, nobody really pressured him. Uh, Larson just wasn't able to tie up Pod Colson out front. And he was able to put away that rebounder. So um, here we go again. Another blown lead before the third period. You know, another bad second period effort uh, that seems to be haunting this Kraken team. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way to fucking get a full 60 going and from the get-go. I mean, everyone, that's obviously what a full 60 is. You got to play the whole period. You can't do 59-48. You can't do just the first 20 and the last 20. You got to fucking get them all going. Yeah, honestly, they have to find ways. And... Oh, man, 
I, I wasn't feeling too confident going into the third period, even though we were down by just a goal and just 25 seconds into the third period. Um, you know, Seattle gives up another goal from Bo Horvat, you know, ripping one from the shot, uh, from the slot, sorry. And, uh, that was on the power play and that was stemming off of Alex Wenberg's slashing penalty. That was just at the end of the second period there. Uh, once again, dude, a pretty horrible start in the third period. And ultimately that goal, uh, felt like it really put a damper to the end result of the game. The Kraken just never really showed any real jump after that goal. And, you know, Coach Hackwood, of course, pull the goalie. Canner would rip one off the post. The Canucks would control the rebound and put the game away with an empty netter against us. So, fuck me. The Hackstall special, baby. Pulling that goalie and we get scored on uh, 98% of the time. That is the end result this season for the Kraken. They would lose 5-2 in this hockey game and they were outplayed for a vast majority of it. I, I did like... What I seen from the first period, you know, the 19, the last 1948, like we joked about, but I mean, shots were still 33 to 13 for Vancouver after 40 minutes. That is just unacceptable. Yeah. And it wasn't exactly the strongest game for Dreger either. Unfortunately, pucks were kind of bouncing off of him like crazy. He didn't have any rebound control. And unfortunately it was a full team effort to lose this one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it sucks because it, it's it, it's tough to blame him completely. He was peppered in that game, didn't have a whole lot of support. And then the fact that, you know, he hadn't played since uh, four games ago or three games ago. It was basically, you know, seven days since the last time he got action. And that was when he got put into an onslaught against Toronto and just played two periods after... Uh, replacing Grubauer in that 6-2 shelling against uh, Toronto there. So it, it's tough when a goalie hasn't played that much, but at the same time, uh, it wasn't exactly a great effort on his part either, right? Yeah, and I mean, at least he wasn't in net for the Toronto-Detroit game last night. Holy shit. Holy bonanza, dude. What was the final <laughs> in that? What was it? Like 10-8 ten ten, or 10-7? Ten seven. Dude, so we go in there, like my team's full of Leafs fans because we're around the area, right? Before the yeah, game, yeah. we go out for uh, like our one-hour game. Everyone's like, yeah, it's 6-1 Leafs. <laughs> we come in like fucking 15 minutes later. They're like, it's fucking 10-7. <laughs> dude i know it was wild actually it, it popped on because i was watching uh uh the montreal ottawa game and those two games started at the same time and uh that game ended and it switched over to the detroit toronto game and there was like 15 minutes left in the third and it literally was showing all the highlights of all the goals i scored in the third period to catch up and that was in a span of like four minutes of play they scored like those four or five goals. It was ridiculous. It was just an insane game. Um, didn't actually end up watching the rest of it. I went to, you know, play a little uh, pond hockey. So, uh, you know, I had to go do that. But what a ridiculous score last night, eh? Yeah, you know, put a little uh, tab in that one for the uh, hockey lingo later. Oh, yeah, a little hint, hint, drop right there. Uh, getting back into the game, though, um, the Kraken, another 5-2 loss. They would play the very next night, this time back at home against the Islanders, who they shut out last time they played, eh? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a good team effort, unlike we had against the Vancouver Canucks there. So let's see if we can re- rebound with that kind of effort. Yeah, well, they were hoping to. Uh, it wasn't too successful, but uh, they oh. did make some big lineup changes uh, ahead of this game. And why not? Because, you know, that was such a brutal effort. You got to switch things up. But we see Austin Cesarnik getting back into the lineup to replace a healthy scratch, Jonas Donskoy. What did you think of that, man? I mean, it's surprising, but honestly, not that surprising, really, because, you know, kind of just want to say about time. How many chances do you need, right? Yeah, I kind of, I have to agree with you there, man. I feel bad. Jonas Donskoy, like, we really want to see him succeed, but, uh, you know, he scored that one goal and we kind of predicted, okay, maybe his confidence is going to shoot up. He's going to get back into the swing of things. He's been a ghost ever since, and <laughs> I I don't know what's going on, but it, it, it hasn't been good for him. So to get him healthy scratched, it's kind of like about time. Like, wake up, dude. Like, do something for this hockey team. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say about that. So I liked the move. I don't mind it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go just by stats, since he scored that goal, he's got eight games played and one assist. Like, Yikes. Like you said, do something, dude. Do something like there are tons of people are producing way better than that on this team. So, I mean, Cesarnik had a beautiful assist. The first shift even played with the Kraken. Um, like I'm okay with making a, a lineup decision like that, but not only that though, there was other lineup changes in this game that happened um, like pregame. Of course, we seen Susie getting healthy for, for flurry on the back end. Like, I'm all for Flurry getting brought back into the lineup, but Susie makes this defensive core better when he's on the ice. That's just my opinion there. So to, I don't know. I don't understand that move scratching a guy like Carson Susie. To me, he's been one of their better defender defenders this season. So if you're gonna scratch someone, scratch Lazan in place of Flurry. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what they've been doing before. So I thought this one was a little odd, too. Like, I agree with you there. I think Susie's should be in the top four. Yeah, I don't think he's I, I a guy too. who should be going in and out. No, I don't I don't think so. He, he's proven that he's an everyday NHL, or he shouldn't be getting healthy scratched. Uh, not Carson Susie. I mean, look at his stats this year, too. If you, if you pull up you, compared to the other defensemen on this team, He's probably got the best plus minus. He's brought offense to his game without even getting the opportunities like uh, on the power play. And he plays a really good defensive game. So I, I, it's a bit questionable by Coach Hack, but a lot of things have been this season, I guess. So in a sense, it's not that surprising. Um, what also wasn't surprising, Grubauer, back-to-back game. He got the start. No shocker there. He's actually been pretty brilliant. Uh, even though the Kraken haven't been winning any games, he's stepped up. He's playing way better as of late, so I've liked what I've seen out of Grubauer. Yeah, and a little uh, numerology here for you. You know, the second of two matchups against the Islanders on the date of 2-22-2022 on a Tuesday. How's that for a tongue twister? That's uh, pretty impressive right there. I like it. Um, jumping into the first period of this game, after what kind of looked like a promising start, a couple real nice shifts from the Kraken to start this thing, uh, start this game off. And Morgan Geeky just had a, a, you know, a lot of jump to his game. He had a couple real nice chances along with a couple others. Um, the Islanders pick up a loose puck on a relatively non-threatening looking play, and Brock Nelson just wrists one up over the glove or over the shoulder, 
of Grubauer, and it was one nothing the Islanders. Yeah, and from there, it's going to go from bad to worse. Parise and Giordano battle for space in front of the net. Giordano pushes Parise into Grubauer just as Noah Dobson rips a point shot in. Originally waved off, but the Isles will challenge it because it's the NHL and you have to challenge things six fucking times before you know what happened. And of course, they win the challenge, doubling their first period lead. Yeah, um, that was, uh, I know some people on Twitter, they didn't like it, but I knew right away once I seen that replay, anytime you're pushing the guy into your own goalie and then that creates that goalie interference, they're going to make sure that still counts, unfortunately. And they were just battling for space and Giordano's not meaning to push him right into Grubauer, but you know, that's what happened. That goal goes in, like you said, they doubled their lead and you know, it was a pretty rough period too. I mean, shots favoring the Islanders 13 to four. Uh, it was not a great start in that first period. <laughs> you thought the first period was tough, buddy. Welcome to the next 20 minutes of hell. <laughs> yeah the second period literally walks into the game and says hey boys that first period was just pre-game this is the real shit show because the kraken would surrender two more goals to the islanders the first one off of a horrid turnover from larson don't eat durham don't even ask me what he was trying to accomplish when he retrieved that puck in the corner that was just brutal to watch i don't even know what the heck was going on there Oh, man, that was the most about, like, fuck it attempt I've ever seen. It was pretty cringy. Just 3 nothing Makes it 3 nothing right there. Yeah, I don't even know how to describe that play. He just went to pick it up and then, I don't know, had the biggest brain fart and then tries to, like, throw it up and then just gets picked off. And then just like that, 3 nothing Islanders, they throw it out front, it gets buried, and, yeah, it was just brutal. And then... Taking a look at the fourth goal uh, for the Islanders, um, pretty much just came off swarming the Kraken in their own defensive zone. Mayfield throws a puck on net. It misses. It comes off the end board. And Dunn just fails to tie up Casey Sezikis. And he's able to give New York their fourth straight goal in the hockey game. Uh, What a brutal, brutal game that was at that point. Yeah, and at that point in the game, shots were 24-6. to For the fucking Islanders, who if they get 25 shots on net in a game, they're thinking, fuck, that was a fun night. What the fuck, boys? Yeah, that was some hardcore cracking shit right there. That was ugly. I get it. You're on a back-to-back. That's no excuse, man. 24 to 6? Like, show up. And and the worst part is that's at home. They just seem to not be feeding off their home, you know, their home crowd at all as of late. So that's just tough, tough, tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, the only good thing to come from that period was Yanni Gord just sniping a bar down dinger off a Yarncroc face-off win, which stopped the bleeding. But holy fuck. It did seem to actually turn the momentum around a little bit. But let's see what we got in the third. Yeah, it, it kind of did turn the momentum a bit in the game. And I mean, fuck, you would hope so after getting your your fucking shit handed to you like that in the game. Um, Seattle actually carried some of that momentum right into the start of the third. And uh, uh, with a little help and a little juju and maybe a bit of witchcraft, 
they manifest this lucky bounce of the year candidate right to the side of the Islanders net. And Shahan just has an open tap in and hold up a minute because we now have a 4-2 hockey game. Oh, do we have a game? I think we have a game. This might be a game. It looked like a game. You know, Seattle continued to get more chances. Uh, Geeky got absolutely robbed all alone out front by Sororkin. Uh, man, that was a disgusting save. And Geeky, man, he had the best chances from any player in this game. Probably the most quality looks. Uh, he's he seemed to brought, brought more jump into his game uh, since he's returned from being a healthy scratch uh, two games ago. So, um, but oh, once again, Durham, the coach hack special comes out with just a couple minutes left. Goalie gets pulled. Islanders score the empty netter. That's a 5-2 loss. Once again, back-to-back games, back-to-back nights. Not cool. Yeah, I mean, you never want to say you got outscored 10 to 4 in a span of 24 hours. Ever. No, but they pretty much had to after those two performances, right? Yeah, especially in, I mean, like, those were two games we really thought Seattle had a shot at taking home two points there. And I just, I don't get it, man. Like, what happened? I know. Uh, we talked about it last pod. Those were the two games that we really thought. Uh, they'd have a really good crack at, you know, picking up some points. Um, I thought, you know, they, they would find a way to answer against Vancouver finally. And they played such a strong game against the Islanders in their barn uh, just a few weeks ago. And that was a really good performance, a really good effort. And then they pretty much dropped the ball hard both nights in a row. And the confidence just slowly, slowly fading away from the crack. And um, it, it's tough to see sometimes. But yeah, not their greatest performances, that's for sure. Well, you know what? At least the next game was better. Power of positive thinking. No, you're, you're completely right on that. Because they had a tough matchup against a Boston team who had one of their star players back in the lineup, Brad Marchand. And it was the second time that they'd be facing the Boston Bruins after they dropped their first matchup, but it was a very close 3-2 game about three weeks ago as well, uh, the same time they played the Islanders uh, last time. And yeah, basically, the Seattle came into the game on a five-game losing streak. That was actually their third worst of the season so far, and it wasn't going to get any easier for them in this hockey game because they would be without Jared McCann, their leading scorer and basically team MVP player dealing with some uh, lingering injury issues. And when you have this guy out of the lineup, man, that really, really depletes the goal scoring for the Kraken. Yeah. I mean, anytime you don't have your team leading scorer and I believe he's leading in points now as well, that yep. makes you, a little bit harder for our already offensively challenged team to create some offense. Yeah. And not only that, Yanni Gord was also a game time decision. They didn't know if he was going to be playing in that game. He did end up playing, but Durham, the boys are a little banged up right now, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, that fucking sucks. Hopefully we're able to get Schwartz back soon, get all the bodies back and then uh, become sellers at the deadline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you're going to need bodies cause you're going to be sellers. So uh donnie uh don donskoy was back in the lineup too after his healthy scratch so um you know you got to shake things up yet again because of another brutal loss another 5-2 loss and 
the game starts with a pretty quick whistle, just 22 seconds in, and it was the captain, unfortunately, Giordano, headed to the sin bin for a tripping penalty. Uh, so that was a tough start to the game. Yeah, but at least we didn't get scored on 20 seconds in, so I guess that's an improvement. Yeah, it was what, like 30 second, 38 seconds left uh, on that penalty. Larson takes a high sticking call against Taylor Hall. He was leaking blood, so that means a double minor. And the Kraken left killing a five-on-three just less than two minutes into the game. So, yeah, that is never going to put you in a good spot. Yeah, and then, I mean, just what you'd expect in this situation, the Kraken score the opening goal shorthanded from the captain twice in the same week. King Geo just popping off, baby. Yeah, talk about a statement, eh? Just just bringing in the trade value. Mark Giordano, congrats. Two shorthanded goals by defensemen in a span of three games. Wow, I don't think that's that's happened too often in the NHL. That's crazy. Yeah, I can't think of the last time it happened. No, no, that's hard. That's very hard to pull off, especially as a as a defenseman. Not only to get two shorthanded points, but get two shorthanded goals. Oh my God, that was impressive. I love to see it. And as nice as that goal was too, you cannot not mention uh, the block there from Jamie Alexiak, who he dropped right to his knees to save a nice cross-ice shot that definitely would have ended up going in the back uh, of the open cage. And that just a block like that just changed the whole outcome of the first five minutes of the hockey game. Yeah, and then after that, the Kraken are able to kill the rest of the Larson penalty, and they look pretty confident in the play that followed after that as well. Yeah, they did. They they started looking pretty good. They, you could tell they picked up some confidence. But, of course, Durham, the Kraken are going to crack in, uh, and Wenberg takes an accidental, but a bit of a careless high-sticking penalty. Uh, the, and sorry, But Seattle gets away with another one, uh, almost getting scored on in that time with Pasta, you know, ringing one off the crossbar, but it would go out. How about that, though? Four penalties and a plus one in the Geno department 12 minutes into the first. Don't see that too often. No, that's ha- that's hard to accomplish against, a, you know, a Boston power play like that, too. And, you know, then finally the Kraken would get their shot being up a guy. Uh and the second unit is able to get a couple nice chances late, but no dice for them. Cesarnik too, getting a look on that second unit. So that was a little interesting to see. Yeah, if he's able to produce a little bit there, that'd be a nice free pickup. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So getting a crack on the power play, I like to see that. And holy shit, just a penalty fest too in this first period. They just kept coming. And even more blood. Larson getting another interference call on Taylor Hall absolutely smoked him in the face on this. And yeah, to be honest, I don't think Larson really likes uh, his uh, trade partner these days from how many years ago. Well, it goes back to that uh, article from when Larson was talking about after the trade and being in Edmonton, being traded for Taylor Hall kind of ruined his life for a little bit. Yeah, he, uh, I don't know why he got so much hate for it. I mean, it wasn't him making the deal. Like he's just playing his game and yeah, it was a one for one though. It was a one for one. He, he goes off for a double minor Taylor Hall stays out. And then technically it was a two for two bloody faces for two trips to the box. Larson <laughs> two for two with making people bleed, making Taylor Hall bleed twice in this game. Yeah, and, you know, it would just be too many penalties for the Kraken, too. And it means too many shots against. 
which also means that the Bruins are going to tie the game because Jake DeBrusque whacks a puck out of midair and is able to beat Grubauer on their 17th shot of the period. Yeah, and yeah, he got a piece of that, but it was um, it was Luzon too. Like he pretty much batted that too right into the net. Um, don't know what he was trying to accomplish there. He could have just swatted it with his hand. Uh, but yeah, that that goal would go to Jake DeBrusque. And yeah, 17 to 8, another another period where the Kraken are getting outshot heavily. But they did have a bunch of penalties. So that's kind of expected, right? Yeah, I mean, you're probably going to be facing, I think you should probably get about four shots per power play. So if we're going to take that many and only have 17 shots against, I think we're playing pretty well. Short-handed. Yeah, and- yeah, and yeah, no kidding. Uh, this is the second period kind of started off again with another uh, high sticking penalty in the hockey game. This time it was uh, Nasik uh, get getting sent off from Boston, and instead of getting opportunities for the Kraken, uh, they decide to just give up some great A chances, including a pretty deadly two on one from Bergy and the Rat. Uh, but Grubauer continued to stand tall in this hockey game, and he boy he was friggin' aw- awesome in this game once again. Yeah, he was playing fantastic. I mean, but unfortunately, he could only stand tall for so long before Pasternak takes a feed from his point man, McAvoy, and just wires a 1T blast past Grubauer and gives Boston their first lead of the game. Yeah, like, no goalie's going to stop that one, unfortunately. It doesn't matter who's in net. And, you know, after that, Grubauer stepped right back up again after letting that goal in, and just big save after big save from him yet again. He was just given the crack and every opportunity to basically stay in this hockey game and that they would. Yeah. Jordan Eberle coming into the Bruins zone with numbers decides to hold on, fakes the shot and goes upstairs on the back end for a very pretty vintage Jordan Eberle style goal. I mean, that was a fucking beauty that would just tie the game up at two apiece too. Yeah, no, that was, that was a beauty. I like the, you know, as soon as he shot that off the back end, he just hops over the goalie's pad there. Just, uh, you know, a little ditzy doodle. But you're totally right. Vintage Jordan Eberle on that goal. Uh, great to see him back scoring. And not only that, but Yarncroc and Marcus Johansson, they're picking up assists on that play. They keep finding ways to get on that scoreboard. Uh, so that's very important. I like it, and it's good for trade value. Exactly. And before the second period would wrap up, we'd see the fifth. Yes, the fifth. High sticking penalty of the game. Nasek would go off for Boston. And once again, the Kraken do not score a fucking goal. What the hell? Yeah, that was, it's just been an odd game. I can't believe how many high sticks were called in this hockey game. Uh, I don't recall seeing a game with so many like that. Um, but yeah, you could tell, man, the power play just was not looking that great in the hockey game. You could tell Seattle was just really struggling even to set it up and just not having their best power play guy, Jared McCann out there that really hurt their, their power play quite a bit. Yeah. It throws off the whole feel. I mean, everyone get playing together, you get used to where everyone goes and what they want to do in certain situations. So as soon as you swap one cog out the whole clock, kind of like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing anymore. Yeah, it definitely stirs things up uh, in the wrong way. And he's their shooter, right? He's their shooter. So he's their go-to guy to be uh, trying to find for that one-timer or, you know, that open space. So uh, it it almost delays your thought process a bit when you know you don't have him out there and you got to look for other options. Made it tough for the crack, and you could tell it was struggling. 
Yeah, and I mean, considering how good the, or how the Kraken have been playing recently, it was quite nice to end the third period actually tied up against a good team like Boston. Yeah, no, and, and it, it turned out to be a bit of a battle in that third period too. There was no more penalties. Uh, it was kind of sound hockey, very defensive from both teams, you know, compared from the rest of the game. There's just... A, a total of 15 shots in that third period. And you compare that to uh, the, the first and second, both of those period had a combined 24 shots. So uh, we go from a combined 15 uh, into the third. And that would mean that we got ourselves some OT and some free hockey, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But unfortunately the Kraken lose again and Jake DeBrusque scores his second goal of the game just 33 seconds in. Uh, and that was even before the Kraken even had any possession yet in overtime. Uh, so Boston takes it 3-2. And, you know, Durham, to be fair, man, yes, it sucks losing the game. But what a game it was. It was a really entertaining game. The Kraken actually fought pretty hard in this hockey game. I liked it. Yeah, and... I mean, also an outstanding effort from Grubauer, too. I mean, he was the best player in a Kraken jersey, probably the best player on the ice that night for either team. Had a solid 923 save percentage, but it was the countless five-star saves he made throughout the game that were really impressive for me. No, I have to agree with you there. He, he was outstanding yet again. It just sucks this guy's not picking up any wins. You know, he would definitely want to have that that overtime goal back. Um, uh, kind of kind of a bit of a weak one there. Just didn't have his angle right. It was a very sharp uh, angled shot um, from Jake DeBrusque there. Just happened to squeeze by him. But he, he's been the star of this team uh, for the last week or so, at least the last couple weeks. His numbers are getting pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous and a lot better for uh, a team that just has been consistently losing hockey games. Yeah, I mean, if we can keep losing and his stats keep getting better, that's just go to tell you how fucking good he's playing. Yeah, and on another positive note in that game, uh, the penalty kill was pretty great too. I mean, they ended up going 5-for-5 five five in the game. That's not a joke against that stacked Bruins top power play unit. Not just going 5-for-5, five five, but they outscored the Bruins power play too. Suck yeah, it, Boston. Kidding. Yeah, um, so... Valiant effort there. Um, they got some action. Of course, we did preview or yeah, take a look at the San Jose game last week, but the, that's going to be taking place tonight, uh, 10 p.m. for you, Durham, and then you know 8 p.m. for me. So that's why we're not uh, uh, being able to post uh, the pod after the matchup because well, it would be uh, 1 a.m. before we're able to really start that for you, right? And uh, you got to go to work tomorrow, so that doesn't really work, but. Um, big game against San Jose tonight, dude. Uh, they're going for their third win in a row against San Jose. Uh, so looking for a W, get back on track. They've lost too many in a, in a row now. Exactly. You don't want this losing streak to get any worse. Let's get back in the fucking win column. And then that way my prediction was only off by one win and not two. <laughs> Fair enough. Do it for Durham's prediction and, you know, pump his tires a little bit. Um, what do you expect for tonight's game, though? Well, I'm expecting the Kraken to come out. I mean, you know, hoping Grubauer is going to play again, but who really knows there? 
Yeah, I, he probably deserves that start. He's, they've had a couple uh, days in a row now off, so um, wouldn't surprise me. He should be probably the, the starter in this hockey game. Um, both goalies have picked up wins against San Jose this year, so Drieger picked up the first win. Uh, Grubauer was in net for the second one. Um, so they're just finding success against San Jose, and these are the two bottom teams in the Pacific Division right now battling it out. It may not mean much for the standings, but um, if you can continue finding success against teams in your uh, your own division, that's going to help going forward. Yeah, and you want to close the gap from 7th to 8th to make it a little <laughs> more respectable. Yeah, yeah, it's starting to slip away for this Kraken team with all these losing streaks. So just pick up the win tonight and set yourself up for some success. Uh, this coming week against some pretty tough matchups, Durham. We're going to get right into that now. Wednesday night, they're taking on the Nashville Predators. Right now, they're 30-18-4, and four, but a team that has struggled recently. They're only 2-5-0 two, two, and zero in their last seven games. Um, Nashville's still a really good team. We obviously picked up a win against them earlier in the season, uh, a 4-3 win. Uh, that was the first win they had in uh, franchise history. But uh, uh, I don't think, you know, going back to that matchup until now, I don't think we would have predicted Nashville being in the spot they are. No, I mean, they were kind of hot the last time we were talking about them there. You know, they were pushing for first in the division, I think. But th for them to have only two wins in their last seven is a little disappointing. I mean, they've only got three wins in all of February. Sure, that only has one more game, but still. Yeah, still. Uh, a team that uh, seems to be struggling and some, some rumors going around that team too. They're not sure if Forsberg's going to get signed long-term or if he's going to be a piece to trade at the deadline. Uh, very interesting dynamics going on there. Uh, I don't think they've been in a position like this really. No, the last thing I could remember from Nashville in this type of scenario would have been with Eckholm. And even then, like that didn't get down to the wire. They got it done way early he ended up not being a big trade piece they got him extended but with Forsberg nothing seems to be happening and then I think it was just the tweet that came out from Strickland over the weekend talking about Forsberg being moved and that got me excited let's see what happens yeah let's see what happens he's uh over a point a game player this season um looks like probably I'd say their second best player this season I still think Roman Yossi uh, and you know, obviously their goaltender there, Saros, they've been battling as definitely their top three players this season. I still think Yossi's number one right now, though. I think he just carries this team every night. Yeah. I don't think it's been, I don't think it's any stretch at all to say Forsberg since he's come and become a part of Nashville has been their most important forward. Yeah, not at all. That's, uh, he, he, he definitely, deserves to be on that spot and looked at as that player. Um, he's going to get paid no matter what, though. I mean, he's looking at a pretty healthy raise uh, coming off his current contract. Could be around that $9 million a year type of player. Yeah, everything I keep hearing and reading see or says that uh, Nashville's not going to want him to get more than Yossi, but he's going to come in pretty fucking close if he does stay. Yeah, he and he has every uh, argument to put him right in that conversation, so... We'll see how that plays out. But Nashville, a team that could be pushing for a playoff spot this year. Um, obviously, they got a decent record right now. Um, but coming up, you know, we're 
getting closer to the trade deadline, and that's going to make things real interesting for this Nashville team. Struggling as of late, so they got a, they're still going to have a pretty tough matchup. Did you see any of the highlights from last night's uh, stadium series game? No, I haven't yet, actually. I was going to ask how you liked the uh, the jersey setups. It wasn't too bad. I didn't like the way the Nashville jerseys looked when they were released, but when they're in their full gear last night, they actually looked pretty nice, pretty slick, I got to admit. And then uh, the bolts were all, just all right for me. But, yeah, I've heard that was a pretty good stadium series. It just, I don't know, the hype with them just seems to be dying with me because they throw like three or four of these every year. So, I don't know, they're not – the hype isn't there like they used to be back in, uh, what, 2007 when the Winter Classics and stuff first started coming out. Like, those were super exciting. But now they're just, meh, nothing too much about them. Yeah, like, I'm all for trying to pump it out and create growth in lower markets and shit, but you're overdoing it now. Like, you're oversaturating it. There's, like, what, eight outdoor games a season? It's too many. It feels that way, man. It's too many. And it's just more of a money grab now. Um, where where did they play last year? Lake Tahoe? That was pretty cool. I like that switch up. You know, I, I don't think condition or ice conditions were too good. They're pretty crap. But I, I love the idea of that and the views. So bring some more dynamicness to it. And, and that's exciting. You know, get a fucking game out at Lake Louise. Make it happen. I was just going to say logistics, that. The logistics are tough to make it happen. But don't be worried about putting fans in stands and building that up, man. Just, you know, sell it as a pay-per-view event, do something. I mean, you probably, they probably won't do that, but um, it doesn't have to have fans to make it a pretty unreal environment. How much money is enough money NHL? Yeah. I, I just think that, you know, that would be a place to, to really uh, host a hockey game. It would be wonderful to do that. But yeah, you know, any final predictions for uh, this game against Nashville before we move on to other matchups? Oh, probably Nashville is going to win. They got a few days off coming in. I know it sounds shitty, but they've got like five days off. They won two games last week. They played tight with Tampa Bay, so I think they might be getting over their slide. They worry me. They worry me too. They're, they're, they're going to be a tough matchup, and Soros can steal any game. Um, they really, uh, you know, hopefully Jared McCann is back and they got to take advantage of Nashville's penalty trouble. They lead the league in, uh, PIMS per game on average. So if their power play can click that night, uh, they, they might be able to find some success, but, uh, get ready for, uh, what could be a tight knit, tight knit group or a tight knit game there. And it's going to be a physical one too. Nashville brings a lot of physicality. But uh, they don't play another game until the weekend against uh, against Washington in their barn. Uh, Washington, again, looking at their record, obviously, you know, they're that fringe playoff team right now, 28-17-9. But another team who's in that same position as Nashville, they're struggling as of late too, 3-5 and five in their last eight games. And in that stretch, man, just five points for Ovi. So what's going on in Washington, man? They are uh, they're taking a deep dive here. Yeah, they're kind of falling apart. You know, maybe age might be catching up a little bit. Goaltending's been suspect. I mean, well, fuck, you know, in our group chat with our buddy Kevin there, he just goes off about how much the Caps suck this year. He's a huge Capitals fan, for those that yeah, don't know. Super, he's having a rough super time. Fan. He is. I don't think he's enjoying watching the Capitals as of late. 
And, you know, you got your best guy struggling like that, too, after such a promising start for this Washington team, too. They were just lights out to start this year. Everyone was talking, Ovi, Ovi, he's going to be the heart winner, you know, career year for him. Uh, they're starting to fall apart here, and they're in a very tough division. So uh, if they don't turn things around quick, they might be on the outside looking in. Yeah, especially with the teams below them playing so well and keeping pace and really keeping the pressure on Washington. It's going to be a fun stretch down to the playoffs, see what happens here. Mm-hmm. But no doubt, anytime you're facing Ovi, um, don't be taking penalties. You don't want to give this guy any power play time whatsoever. Um, so you got to stay out of the box in this matchup, If you, again, if you're going to find some success. And they were able to do that the last time these two teams played, uh, beating them 5-2. And that was a pretty impressive game, I thought. Uh, that was more earlier in the season. Um, but again, it's going to be a tough matchup. And not only that, you're going in against an even tougher matchup the next day on Sunday. You're in Carolina, and this team is just ridiculous, man. What is it about Carolina? They just are consistently an amazing team now for the last few seasons. Um, and they could just outplay any opponent on any given night. Oh, they're just, they take the physical embodiment of Rod Brindamore's spirit and they will outwork you for 60 minutes or more if they fucking need to. It's just like, oh, we're going into overtime. Yeah, we got another gear. You ain't seen shit. And they bring this unbelievable combination of uh work ethic like you said and just you know so inspired by rod the bod just you know coaching a heck of a, a game every time and then they bring so much skill to their game too I mean, if you take a look at the way they move the puck on their power play and they faking out the defenders and goalies man they they set up some pretty intriguing plays and they put up numbers with their offense by doing that. And, you know, 36, 11 and four on the year, um, five, one and one in their last seven games. And uh, I believe they're taking it to Edmonton as we speak right now, too. Let's see. It is currently two, one Edmonton with 12 minutes or two, one Carolina with 12 minutes left. All right. So the last thing I seen was two, nothing, uh, you know, fairly early in the first so uh looks like it slowed down a bit but again another another hard working performance and the one bright spot too is again this is a team that we've actually beat earlier in the in the season and we, we beat a nice tight tight knit hockey game 2-1 last time we played them uh so that was in our own arena this time we're in carolina um but we got to do anything we can to, to stop their post-game celebration from happening there. Yeah, we don't need to see a storm surge. We're no. good. But, I mean, Carolina, this is a legit Stanley Cup contender in my eyes. You take a look at their hockey team here. There, there's so much depth in their lineup. Uh, forwards, defense, tons of depth everywhere. Uh, the one thing I would maybe be looking at if I'm Carolina is do I want anti Ranta as my backup goalie going into the playoffs? No, I don't know if I'd want two injury prone goaltenders to be the guys. You probably don't want one who hasn't been hurt in the last few years. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, Freddie, he's had his injury trouble, but he hasn't dealt with anything this season. So, so that's good for them. But so Ranta, far. my God, has that guy had a healthy season? 
fuck, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it. I can't remember one. If he did, it might have been in New York when he only had to play 15 games a year. Fair. I forgot he was even there before he got traded to Arizona. So uh, good call there. But yeah, going to be a tough one this weekend, but some great hockey games to be looking at. So Kraken, uh, you know, obviously we're out of the playoffs. It's not even in the, you know, it's not in the conversation, but what we really just want to see is that effort going forward and just show that uh, yeah, you're not going to give up, even though you are, a, you know, a pretty bad hockey team right now. Um, all given their stats and their record. Um, but just don't give up and fight for a spot because some of these guys have to be thinking they better be fighting for a spot to be on this hockey team next season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everything's fighting for a job, right? Next year, you're going to have, even at the end of this year, possibly, like we could have Matty Beneers coming in and he's going to take somebody's job. So now you're not just fighting for a job with this team, but you're fighting for an audition with every other team in the fucking league. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you you better be auditioning and, and showing a great effort. And some of that does stem from Coach Hack's ability to get this team ready at the start of games. Um, I'm not a big believer in the guy anymore. It, it, it's, it keeps... Uh, yeah, my hope on, on Coach Hack turning things around is kind of diminishing as the games go on. The Kraken's performances um, as a team almost seem to be sliding a bit more. And the goaltending performances from Grubauer seem to be, you know, trending in the right direction, which for this team with the contract he has for the longevity, he's supposed to be with this team for that is great to see if they do turn around the next couple seasons and Grubauer can still be that elite guy and carry your team. I still think he's got a big part of this be, you know, be a big part of this hockey team going forward, but uh, things are going to have to change with the lineup. And I think definitely, with the coaching, things are going to have to change. Yeah, I don't know if that's something we'll see in the offseason. I think it'll kind of depend on how the team wants to proceed going forward. Like, if Francis is like, hey, we're going to be fucking dog water next year too, they might give Hackstall the first four or five months with the team and then bring someone in to kind of try and change the culture and grow the young kids now that we're in a spot to draft Bedard, who that's who I want, by the way. Give me fucking Connor Bedard. Yeah, 2023 draft. Shout out Bedard there. And we're already in a really good position to pick up a top three pick now this season. So if you're able to grab another one next season, man, that will be like that will set this team up for crazy good long term success. And I believe that can happen. And again, building through the draft, that's the way to go as an expansion team, in my opinion. And honestly, if we're going to win a lottery, I want to win next year rather than this year. No offense, Shane, but like whew, that Connor kid. Yeah, there's a couple absolute studs in that next draft. So um, this one too, but like you said, I think the, uh, you know, the franchise player potential is much stronger in the 2023 draft than any prospects we're really seeing at the top of the board in the 2022 draft. But uh, I do like some players in there. Oh, that's no slouch against them. Like, there's some fucking good hockey players in this year's draft. 100%. But I just think the next guys, the next two guys are just a step above. Agreed. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. 
New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, welcome back to Keeping Up with the Krakens, episode 23, Durham. We have to talk because some trade rumors are starting to pick up and, you know, a little, you know, lots being talked about about these Kraken players, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I can't find my words right now, but uh, as per David Pagnotta, who is uh, president of uh, the fourth period. Uh, great website there for hockey. Check it out on Twitter at fourth period. Uh, he's reported a couple, couple things about this uh, Kraken team, a couple players who, you know, obviously are at the top of the trade bait list for other teams. Uh, he reported that the two teams who have shown the most interest so far in Cali Yarncroc are in fact, Washington and Toronto. What are your thoughts on that one? I really like Washington because I think they're going to be desperate and they'll offer up more than the Leafs will. You make a great point there. I like that. Um, where do you think he would fit in on their uh, in their lineup? Probably their third line. You know, potential to move up to the second if needed. A little bit of versatility there, but I do think he'll be a third line guy if he does end up on a bit more of a contending team. I think that's like where on a contending team. Yeah. I think that's where he would naturally fit in best. But like you said, we we've seen it with, uh, with the Kraken and uh, he's done it in, in the past at Nashville too, when he was a part of that organization, this guy's a Swiss army knife. He can move up and down the lineup. So uh, he, he adds a ton of value to a team. Uh, again, if you're looking at Toronto, he's probably going to fit in around that third line situation as well. So um what do you think the return's going to be if we do get a you know a trade happening to one of these two teams? Uh, I think well, I think if it's Washington, it'd be a higher pick, probably like a second. Whereas if it's Toronto, I think you're probably going to get a third and a prospect just so they can move some contracts out because I think they do have a few more of those laying around. Yeah, I think so too. And if if I'm in the position uh, as GM for Seattle. And I'm looking at Toronto as a trade partner. I might just go for a prospect. I might try to get, get, they actually have a pretty good plethora of some pretty good prospects right now in Toronto. So um, it'll be interesting with Washington. I think you target a pick. I think with Toronto, you maybe target a, a prospect that they have. They have a uh, Toppy Niemela there, a really good D prospect who, uh, you know, uh, is a Finnish prospect. I uh, forget where he, I think he might be playing in the Finnish elite league currently. Uh, they have him, they have, uh, Matthew knees. He has a very good uh, forward prospect down the middle too. Uh, so Toronto has these good prospects that they, they could be using for these trades. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. 
Um, also, he also reported uh, Dave, David Pagnotta has linked St. Louis, Florida, and yet again Toronto as the front runners to land Mark Giordano. So give me your thoughts on uh, those teams as well for Mark Giordano. I don't see Toronto being that great of a fit, to be honest. I don't know why, just Gio doesn't seem like he would slide in well with the Leafs there. But St. Louis is an interesting one for me. I hadn't seen that coming, just because, you know, they got Krug there, kind of be their left D on the power play side, and Pareko can kind of be the bomb for the other side. But Giordano could be that veteran presence they're missing on the back end. And Florida, I love it. I love Gio to Florida, but that might just because that's the one I called earlier in the year. A little bit of biasness, maybe. Yeah, well, we, we kind of talked about Florida as a potential destination spot for Mark Giordano earlier. And I think, you know, we both agree. I think it fits perfectly with what they have. And I got to admit, I like the fit for St. Louis too. Because um, they're no slouch of a team either. They're going to be, if they, they could win a couple rounds uh, with the lineup they have. Um, the biggest question is, you know, who's going to be running uh, the crease for St. Louis during that stretch. But, uh, you know, that's a talk for another day. Again, Toronto being in the, you know, one of the front runners here to land Mark Giordano, it's tough to see him kind of fitting in that uh, decor. Although I think if I'm making a move as a uh, Toronto, I'm targeting a top four defender to help carry you uh, through playoffs. Uh, in my eyes, I think they, they should try to target a right-handed D perhaps, but uh, we'll see. What do you think St. Louis and Florida would be uh, giving up if they traded for Mark Giordano? First round pick has to be part of the deal, in my opinion. I don't care who it comes from. If it's Florida, it'd fucking better be their first round pick and a good prospect because they're so high that their first is automatically going to be quite late. St. Louis, I don't think, is going to end up winning their division, so their first could be obviously worth a lot more valuable and then and therefore giving us a less prospect, but I think I I think I like Florida there. I think they've got a little bit more in prospect department. I don't think St. Louis is going to really part with their younger guys, and most of their younger guys are kind of already making an impact on the NHL team. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I do like that, and I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, tell me if it's too much, or do you think it's right in the ballpark of what they could give up for Giordano? And remember, this is a Stanley Cup contending team they will offer for the right piece a good price so what if i say you know we assume it's going to be a late first round pick so obviously it almost pushes to the value of a second round pick and then you add in a prospect like owen tippett do you think that could happen see tippett was the guy i was gonna say too but i didn't know if that was too much and i didn't want to be like oh yeah owen tippett in the first for mark giordano and then someone on the internet's like hey asshole i know you're a seattle fan but go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough and i was kind of thinking that too but uh i think sometimes we get caught up as uh, just looking at where they got drafted um i can't even remember the year tip it was drafted was it 2016 shit i used to be all over this stuff it's gotta no it'd he... be later than that all right well he's fuck it up for a second here 21? but you take a look at where he was drafted i believe he was either 10th he was 10th, 10th. I know that. 10th overall. But has he really produced like, you know, the position where he was drafted? He he hasn't. He's shown a couple flashes of some goal scoring. But again, like it's it's got to be a challenge for this guy to work itself 
somewhere respectable into the lineup for Florida because they're just so uh, heavy depth on their, uh, you know, their forward department. So I, I could seriously see a great prospect like, uh, like him going to the Kraken. And I think that would be a very, very intriguing piece for the Kraken to, uh, to pick up. And you start to give this guy some top six minutes, he could become one of their best goal scorers in the future. So I would love to see a guy like Owen Tippett get traded, uh, you know, to the Seattle Kraken. That would be my biggest target if I'm looking at moving uh, Mark Giordano, which they both have agreed to, you know, being moved. Mark Giordano is okay with it. He expects it. Uh, he had that talk with uh, the GM there, Ron, Ronnie Francis. So it is going to happen. It's just where is it going to happen to, right? Florida. Hopefully. Another interesting note, too, uh, that last game in Boston, there were some scouts listed in the building. Those include uh, the Avs, the Devils, the Flames, and the Golden Knights are in the building, too. So just throwing out some other uh, teams that weren't listed there by uh, David Pagnotta uh, that potentially could be trade partners with the Kraken. And he did mention, too, um, that Ronnie Francis plans to be aggressive at uh, the deadline with his cap space. So he has a projected 38 million at the deadline and you move out some of those bigger contracts too, Giordano and whatnot. What do you think Ronnie Francis has up his sleeve? Do you think uh, there's going to be some maneuvering like Arizona plans to do by, uh, you know, taking some, some dead cap, some cap off some teams in order to acquire some assets. If we aren't, the facilitator for a three-way trade with Giroux, I'm going to be a little upset because there's a lot of money Giroux there that could be tied up and we could eat that for a little bit. And that could seriously help like create another prospect or pick too. Like say if it's Colorado that wants Giroux and we're like, yeah, we'll eat half of his salary for the rest of this year, but it's going to cost you a second a round second pick. second rounder. That's, that's what I was thinking. So not only can you, you know, be a, uh, like you said, be that third team in a three-way trade, uh, by the sounds of it, I would expect, you know, obviously depending on what team Giordano goes to, but it sounds like they're probably going to eat 50% of that. No doubt. Yeah. That's an interesting one. You just got to be careful there. If you're going to eat that because you can only eat on two contracts at a time. Right. So if we eat half of Giordano, then that really leaves Seattle only one opportunity to be a facilitator for a cap trade for two other contending teams. That's true. So you got to maneuver the right things in order to pick up uh, the most amount or the, you know, the best assets that you can going forward. So uh, it'll be interesting to watch, but any other moves that out there that you could think of that, uh, you know, he could work that cap space and create another trade. Mark Andre Fleury. Oh, I like it. I like it. He is making how much right now? I think seven and a half. Six, seven, seven, seven and a half in his final year. I guess that was his average, right? For a three-year deal. I'm just double checking, but I think it was, yeah. Yeah, so that that could easily be one where you're eating half the salary too um, because I I think pretty much any hockey fan uh, should want to see Marc-Andre Fleury get moved to a contender and hopefully go on one last, uh, you know, fun, deep playoff run uh, before he, uh, 
you know, most likely retires at the end of this season. I can't see him playing any more years, especially with how close he came to retiring after or before the start of this one. I just don't see him playing any more hockey past this season. Yeah, I could totally see this being the swan song chase of a cup thing, unless he has like a just a hell of a time because, I mean, he is the fun having guy, right? So yes. if he gets traded yeah. somewhere and has a hell of a season towards the end of it and a good playoff run, he might sign again for one more year. Speaking of signing, his contract, he's got 7 mil AAV, but only making 6 in salary. Okay, so uh, going to be a a pretty good uh, like cheap pickup then. That's pretty much, um, you know, a quarter of the season left. You're really only paying them a, a million and a half, right? Yeah. And technically, if that gets cut in half, if somebody eats half of his salary, well, that's a pretty good price. 750K for the remainder of the season for uh, for Marc-Andre Fleury there. Oh, that's a hell of a deal if uh, you're looking at... Um, you know, if an owner's involved and they're like, oh, that, that's a good price. You know, I know Melnick would have been all over that, but Ottawa is not a playoff team. So that Edmonton is right now. Edmonton, I know that's that would be a very intriguing. I think that uh, that would be a fun place to watch him go. Don't know how much he'd want to go there, but um, you, you know, we've seen crazier things happen. But Durham, moving on. Man. Yes, exactly. We're going to do a little would you rather here because I did this same thing on Twitter. So I want to see what your answer here is oh, I uh, compared to the people rathers. who voted on these. So A, so would you rather sign Jared McCann to a six by six deal? So six years, six million average annual uh, or B, trade him for a first rounder plus a top prospect. Wait, so, Okay. When I was reading this earlier, I wasn't exactly clear. So to be entirely understanding, we either sign McCann to a six by six or we trade McCann for a first yeah. round and a prospect. Yeah. Top prospect. I mean, look at what he's doing. It has to be a top prospect. Plus he's an RFA. You hold those rights for whatever team gets him. So that helps. Hmm. Uh, it would depend on the prospect. Fuck. You're going to make me think too hard about this. I know. I know it's a Sunday. It's your day off, but put your thinking cap on. Give me something. There'd probably only be like eight to 10 prospects that I would make that deal because they'd be almost surefire things where it's, they are going to be that good. You're probably getting them from a team where the first is also going to be good. You mean uh, like... Good as in bad? Yeah, as in it'll be a higher pick. Or a lower pick. Don't fuck as with me. In... <laughs> you just asked me to put my thinking cap on. God damn it. <laughs> okay, so which one are you picking? I know it's tough. Uh, you don't know the top prospect who who it's going to be, but uh, give me an answer, A or B. You know what? With where the team is right now, I would sign McCann. I think you got to have some pieces moving forward and I, I would be okay. I don't think that's an overpayment. It is a long deal and it's a bit of a career year. So you are taking a bit of a gamble, but I think he's proven that he could uh, consistently be a really good goal scorer. I mean, look at the way he scores. He's a sniper. He's got a great shot. Uh, he competes every night and he's been the best player on this hockey team. So uh, you got to have somebody leading the way for this team, right? Um, 
pair him up with Beneers and see what kind of magic they could do on that first line at the end of the season, going into the next season. Um, I do like that. Durham, the poll on Twitter, 58% of people went with option B. They went with the first round pick and the top prospect. What do you think of that? Ah, that's a tight. It, I mean, either way, maybe they knew which prospect they wanted to trade for, and I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I think it's a bit of a a toss up there. If they're going full, full rebuild, sure, you, you could be traded, but I think you still have to move forward with some pieces. And, uh, you know, he was probably one of their best, if not their best pickup from the expansion draft. So, uh, I, I say you roll with him, you get him signed, you have the cap space to work with. You're going to be losing a lot off of traded players and expiring contracts. I like it. Plus you could always trade him at the end of the six years. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be interesting uh, to see what that contract would break down, if there is a modified no-trade clause attached, blah, 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 blah. Um, But yeah, you could always trade the guy. Moving on to some hockey news, man. We got to give a second here to just shout out. This is a tough, tough subject, but it's what's going on. You know, Russia's invading Ukraine right now. Sorry for the cough. And... Man, there's been some some fallout from some hockey even out of it. And first things first, let's just give a shout out to the people of Ukraine who um, who are going through a very, very tough time right now, Um, praying everything turns out good. But it's just so sad to see uh, this invasion from Russia. And uh, man, I don't know what else to say. It's just tough to talk about, Durham. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty fucked up situation. It is pretty fucked up. Um, but the, the hockey news we just wanted to mention, it appears that, you know, the Finnish hockey team who is part of the KHL, the continental hockey league, which is very Russian heavy, um, that, what, how do you pronounce it again? But it's yo carrot. That's right. Uh, they've pulled out of the KHL playoffs due to Russians invasion of the Ukraine. And we just found out this morning that, uh, another team in that league, the, Dynamo Riga, uh, which is a Latvian-based team in the KHL, they've also apparently quit the league right now, and due to that same reason. So, so what do you think about this? Well, I think it's uh, you know pretty good on them. You're going up above and beyond here, showing that morals are more important than just sport here, and what's going on is bigger than just the game. Exactly. And the world's kind of playing a cancel culture on everything Russia right now and putting up sanctions and blocking things off and, you know, certain access to um, Internet and all this stuff's being released right now, too, that I read this morning. I don't want to get too, too caught up in the details, but basically uh, the world is saying fuck you to Russia because that's complete horseshit what they're doing. And I, I can't believe we're even talking about this, but. I just feel so bad for the people of Ukraine and everyone involved there. And man, what, what the Ukrainians are doing right now, some of the most heroic goddamn thing I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, and, and they continue to just battle and hold their ground. And I think everyone's pulling for Ukraine right now. It's, it's just so terrible that this is happening and we wish it, it didn't have to, but that's just reality right now. Um, so, you know, I can't, I, I don't know what else to say, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm at a loss for words, too. Yeah, I mean, 
There's some crazy shit popping up on uh, the internet and Twitter. This morning, I seen a video of a guy in, uh, I believe it's a, you know, a smaller town in Ukraine. I think it's called Berdansk or Berdansk. And uh, it was a video of a man removing a mine from under a bridge. And he's literally nonchalant, like just has a coat on, jeans, has a dart in his mouth, hacking a dart. And he has this huge mine that he's picked up and he's carrying into the bush. And I was like, holy shit. That guy has balls of steel right now while hacking a dart. So, I mean, obviously he's like, if I'm going out by doing this, I'm going to fucking do it by, you know, doing a guilty pleasure in my life, by you know, just hacking a dart. But, um, yeah, there's crazy videos are appearing like that. Yeah. There's some wild situations going on. Yeah, no doubt. I seen a comment on that. Somebody was like, why does he just throw it into the bush? <laughs> and somebody's like, because it's a goddamn mine, not a Frisbee, dude. <laughs> like, that thing's heavy as shit. If you drop it, the guy's going to blow up. Like, what kind of fucking idiotic comment is that? But Plus, it's a mine. It would be pressure sensitive. If you go to throw it, it'll just explode. Yeah, like, some people just don't have their thinking cap on 24 seven. Uh, and that's one of those situations, but yeah, moving right along though, pray for Ukraine, but moving right along here, uh, Durham stat of the week time. Uh, it's been a little bit since we did this, uh, again, it's hard to pull off uh, positive stats when your team has pretty much lost six, seven games in a row. Right. Um, so I'm going to hit you with this one. Seattle, they have not outshot an opponent in a game since losing to Arizona on February 9th. That's seven games ago, and they lost that game 5-2. So not looking good on their part since, you know, the start of the season, they, they did a really good job with keeping opponents to limited amounts of shots. I mean, they were a top-five team for the first couple months in that department. Now it's really getting away from them. They've only averaged 25 shots in that span while averaging 34.1 shots against. That's pretty rough, eh? Yeah, to me, that says teams have figured us out and they've got a game plan against us now and we're not able to adjust. Yeah, I think uh, you hit the... Yeah, you're you're spot on there with that. Um, They're starting to figure out. Obviously, they have more gameplay to look at, but uh, we haven't been able to defend... Uh, those shots and those shot attempts and the high quality ones uh, good at all. So rough to see that, but that was the stat of the week. Depressing one. So I'm sorry about that fans. Cracker fans are like, what kind of fucking stat is that? But uh, it's a pretty bad one. <laughs> Moving right along. Let's end this. Uh, let's end this podcast with a bit more hockey slang volume three Durham. I'm going to shout out some, uh, some hockey slang terms to you. You're going to describe them just like the past. We got about seven here to go through. I'm going to start off with uh, the term barn burner. Uh, This one doesn't involve any gas or fluids. What's a barn burner? High scoring, fast paced, exciting as fuck. If you watch Detroit and Toronto, that is the literal definition. Yeah, that's that's where I got it from. That's an absolute barn burner. Just goals constantly. Um, the coaches hate these games. They like the low scoring games. Can't imagine how goalies feel 
uh, fucking being involved with a barn burner. You have to take a look at the goalie stats. Both goalies had like under 800 save percentages for both teams last night. All four goalies in that game. I could so. not believe that. I've seen two yes. were like 700 and one was like 600, I think. And I'm like, that's a fucking tough night. Yeah, absolutely reckless. That just damaged some teams' uh, fantasy game or fantasy hockey teams last night. Brutal. But Barn Burner, you got it right. You're one for one. I uh, expect you to go seven for seven here. Um, oh, when dear. I say what it, a bucket, what's what's a bucket? That's just a helmet. Boom. All right, moving right along. That's what it is. A bucket's a helmet. Uh, if I say cheese, player went cheese. What's cheese? Right up in the uh, top of the net there. I'd give it about four inches or so. Everything else is kind of just not acceptable. Uh, you're used to giving about four inches or so. So uh, oh, when doubt uh, you know I that. Just right into that. You did. But uh, you're right with the cheese. He's just going top cheese. Just a you know little definition for you know going top shelf. Uh, maybe he did it using a clapper. This is, you know, fairly easy to, uh, break down and understand, but what's a clapper? It's just another name for a slap shot. It's based on the sound it makes. Perfect. Yeah. You clapping your stick against the ice as you take that slap shot. That's where the term clapper comes from. Uh, okay. Moving right along here. Uh, when I say the term gong show, this, this game turned into a gong show. What's that all about? Oh, it means it was an absolute mess. Just a disaster, but it's usually fun and memorable. What makes it a mess? What What's the disaster going on? Oh, it could just be anything. Like shit hitting the fan, people being fights everywhere, penalties all over the place usually. Anytime the game gets really sloppy and it's just a, just a mess. Yeah, game gets out of hand, turned into a gong show. Uh, when I call, When I say that guy is a plumber... That hockey player right there, he's a plumber for that team. This is a bit of a tougher one. Uh, maybe doesn't get used too often, but what's a plumber mean, Durham? Yeah, it doesn't get used too often. It was one I have not heard in a long time, but it's kind of like a synonym for grinder. Guy who's out there just doing all the dirty work for the boys, just mucking it out in the corners usually. Nice. You nailed that one too. Uh, that was kind of how I played back in the day. I was just a plumber. Uh, nothing, you know, didn't bring a whole lot of skill to the game. Just had to go out there and try to outwork everyone. That was, you know, that was the key to my success anyway, um, or whatever kind of success I ended up having. All right. Last one though, Durham, before we end this pod, uh, when I say that goalie is a sieve, what does that mean? The term sieve. That he's fucking terrible. He's atrocious. He should have sold his pads two days after he got them. Whoa, that's rough, dude. You're just taking shots there. I mean, I hate yes. <laughs> Basically, the guy's Swiss cheese. He's just full of holes. Can't make saves. Uh, looks ridiculous out there. Uh, and I mean, Maybe should have not been a goalie, but yeah, a sieve. So when that goalie is... Uh, <laughs> Basically, last night in that hockey game, Detroit they were versus Toronto, there were a couple sieves in that game. Couldn't stop anything worth a damn. So, yeah, that's a great way to end it off. A lot of relatable ones to that hockey game today. I like that. You saying you're a plumber. Didn't you have, like, a fucking five-goal game that won a championship? 
Yeah, because I outworked everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it had nothing to do with skill, dude. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Couple breakaway goals though, so not bad, I guess. But yeah, that was like the that was like the the peak of my career, and that was nothing. You know, that's it. All went fucking downhill from there, anyway. I mean, yeah, pretty much. We, we've all been there. We all have a peak. Yeah, we all peak at some point. So mine was just a long time ago. So just getting used to the downhill slopes from here on out. Um, anything else to add, though, Durham? No, I think. I think we finished that up there. Just uh, getting ready to watch the game tonight. If I can stay awake for it, who fucking knows? Yep, you better stay away for at least a, a little bit of it. Um, you know, tough it out. Maybe you need to get another pregame nap in because you do have some hockey tonight. So best of luck with uh, your pickup. Try not to block too many shots, dude. You might uh, be sending yourself to the hospital again. I think I'm going to play forward tonight. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, good call. Probably not a bad strategy, uh, and maybe just take it easy on the old leg. Yeah. Nah. All right, I like it. I like the spirit. See, you you haven't quite peaked yet. You're still giving her. I would have backed out of that shit, but okay, someone's man. It lead. is. Someone's got to lead the team. Uh, you know, put the C on his fucking chest. He's out there blocking shots, uh, playing beer league. That doesn't even. It's not even a playoff game yet. So respect to you, but yeah. Uh, it's time to wrap this thing up, Durham. Let's get the puck out of here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to episode 23. Join us next week as we break down all four cracking games. And, of course, keep you up to date with all the NHL news and all things cracking. So have a great week, everyone, and peace out, cracking nation.